Welcome to Grunge vs. All of Reality. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode two of Grunge vs. All of Reality. Boy golly, did it take me a while to release this, and I'm really sorry about that. I, uh, I've over the past few weeks, I've actually had to move into a whole new state, which is like a big first for me. I used to live in Florida, now I live in Tennessee. Um, and that kind of like caught me off guard. It scrambled me up a little bit. But truthfully speaking, I've also just had a lot of anxiety like related to uh, the podcast in a sense. And by that, I mean, uh, essentially, I'm a huge podcast fan myself. I listen to a lot of them uh, just about every single day. And I I think perhaps one of my greatest weaknesses is that my, maybe my bar is set a little too high for what I need to create. For example, one of my favorite podcasts of all time is, is the Joe Rogan Experience which is like one of the biggest podcasts out there. And so every time I sit down to record a podcast, I'm comparing myself to every other podcast that I listen to, which is definitely not healthy and it's not good for me putting out content. So I'm working on that about myself. And so actually the episode I had planned to make today was going to be about the simulation theory uh, and the how it can benefit you to think about the simulation. But uh, I'm going to do that next week. Because after laying down and thinking a lot, um, sort of about the anxiety I had related to podcasting, I asked myself the question, what am I afraid of? And I couldn't really answer that question. Uh, I, I mean, first of all, introspection is kind of tough. But second of all, I'm not sure it's like a fear thing for me as much. Maybe it is. I don't know. I want to dig deeper on that in my own time. But one thing I became absolutely certain of during my little ponder session was that I... I'm abundantly uh, uh, an individual that compares themselves to others, and I don't like that about myself. I'm pretty sure most people suffer from this, especially in the age of social media when it's just too damn easy to compare yourself to other people. And since I'm in the content creation game, I'm always comparing my content, my metrics to others, and it's probably my least favorite thing about myself. If I could snap my fingers and change anything, it would be stop comparing yourselves to other people, major grunge. But it's just not that easy. And I started to kind of retrace this line of comparison and this line of, of sort of feeling like not enough or less than. And it came back around to something I had been talking about with a lot of people lately, which is this idea of imposter syndrome. So what I'm going to be digging into during this podcast for the next 30 or so minutes is these ideas of comparison and, and imposter syndrome, because I think it's something that's uh, important to talk about. It's something that most people... I'm sure deal with in some way, shape or form. And I know for a fact that a lot of content creators deal with it because in a way it's part of the game. It gives you a competitive advantage to compare your, your content to others, or at least look at other content and learn lessons from it. Perhaps learn new techniques or, or, or things you can bring into your own content, which is a helpful thing, but it's also can be quite detrimental when, when you have some amount of your self-worth pinned on your content. After all, your content is likely something that's an extension of you Therefore, whenever your numbers may be low or whenever, I don't know, maybe a lot of people seem that they're doing better than you, it can really impact your own mental state, understandably so. So when I first started thinking about this, uh, well, I mean, I've thought about this for forever, but I, I sat down for a solid hour and a half last night and kind of just talked out loud to myself. Yes, I talked to myself. I talked to myself a lot. Um, sorry, not sorry. I realized that my narrative for a very long time in my own mind has been comparing myself to others and has often been an enemy of my own happiness. I was kind of retracing my, my steps mentally. And I, I realized that 
the habit of comparison has been something that has been prevalent in my mind since I was just a wee little lad. I sort of recalled back to my youth. I remember distinctly being compared to other kids growing up and uh, I was I, I was always I always came up short, you know. I was always like the kid that was uh, not as good. I, I mean, I don't know, like it wasn't any one parent's fault or anything. And it wasn't like my parents were terrible to me. They weren't. I don't want anyone to get the wrong impression, but there's always something that sticks out to you in your childhood that kind of fucks with your head. I think that's true of basically every single person. And as with all traumas and as with all, uh, uh, what's the word, you know, issues we struggle with in our own minds, there's no like comparison that is uh, that is adequate for it. That's I mean, I, on the subject of comparison, when I used to go to group therapy, I always felt bad because I felt like the stuff I struggled with was so much like less serious than other people. If that makes sense, as in like I felt uncomfortable sharing because I felt like I didn't. I don't know. I felt like I didn't have anything valid to share, if that makes sense. But so going back to this, I was often like compared to other kids and um that combined with a divorce at a young age, I always felt like I came up short next to the other the other youngsters. And so for a long time, that just made me super duper depressed. And I stopped trying uh, in school basically <laughs> until I graduated high school. But eventually something uh, something gave in my mind. I think it was probably my sophomore year of college, a year that I call my acid year for uh, reasons that I'm sure you can infer. But I, I, I don't know, my brain sort of um, started developing new methods of thinking, maybe new neural pathways. I don't know en enough about like neurology to really understand if anything physiological happened or if I just started thinking about things differently. But the deeper I got into philosophy and the deeper I got into uh, other things, wink, wink, I started to like kind of reframe my mind. And ultimately, I think it was in a healthier way. But now the way my mind operates it's more almost a more productive form of comparison. It's still one I don't like, but instead of me comparing myself to others and then just feeling bad because I come up short, I now compare myself to others and want to, you know, be better myself. Uh, I want to be sometimes better than others. If I'm being honest, I hate to say that because it may feel so awful coming out of my mouth. But um, and then there's a lot of people I'm happy to be, you know, peers with and friends with and collaborators with. But admittedly, there's this sort of negative part of my mind and almost vengeful part of my mind that wants to, like, prove the naysayers wrong. I remember having a conversation with my good buddy. We'll call him Mustang, who uh, we, we were talking on the phone maybe two or three years ago. And I was talking about how this was really roughly the time I was starting my path to where I decided I wanted to do something like vaguely entrepreneurial as a way of declaring independence from the man and the system. And I said to him, what motivates me from now on is revenge, which is melodramatic as fuck. But my whole point there was that I so desperately wanted to prove these people wrong that put me in this place of less than that my my new goal was was to build something and stick it in their face and say, you know, fuck you, look what I did. And honestly, I don't think that's the worst thing ever. I think that's not a bad way to do it. But what that does is it, 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 at least in my mind, it it bred this sort of uh, this sort of dark impulse. Uh, not that I want to tear people down. I never I never have felt that. But I do want to be better than a lot of other people that I run to run into. Uh, I would say specifically those people that I deem as like my enemy. And I don't I understand that this is a toxic mindset. If to anyone listening to this, they're like, "Geez, this fucking guy!" Like, 
what is he on about? And I understand that this is a toxic mindset, but if I'm just being 100% honest, that's uh, oftentimes a mental narrative that I have. And it keeps me hungry. It keeps me motivated. It keeps me learning new things and adapting, but I feel like it also um, denies myself a lot of happiness. Not to mention just constant comparison is inevitably going to deny one of happiness. I can't remember who said it, but someone, a, a sagely individual, perhaps it was the Buddha, I don't know, once said that comparison is the enemy of happiness. And truer words have never been spoken. I don't see any real way uh, to find any kind of happiness or meaningful fulfillment if your basis is comparison. But the real, the real trouble with it is it's just too damn easy now. You got Instagram, people posting their wonderful, amazing lives. Of course, just the highlight reel of their lives, right? But it's still there, and it's in your eyeballs all the time. Twitter, take your pick. Any social media platform ever is easy to get lost in as far as feelings of mediocrity and being not enough. It happens to me basically every single day. It happens to me every single time I sit down and try to make a podcast. All these thoughts are going through my mind. I'm like, what if it's not good enough? What if my podcast sucks? What if people hate me? What if they leave all these horrible reviews? A uh, quick little plug, if you like the podcast, please leave a five-star review uh, on whatever platform you like. <laughs> but uh, I, I had to do that. I have to do business stuff now. I have to be a business person. But no, but like th those are the thoughts that go through my mind. I'm like, what if people hate me? What if they despise this? What if they hate my content? I think about it every single time I press the go live button on Twitch. I think about it every single time I sit down to write a podcast or an article and it may be my greatest enemy. You know, uh, I really do think that when you look in the mirror, the greatest enemy you have is is staring right back at you. I even believe one of my favorite music uh, artists, Sturgill Simpson, mentions that in a song. And I'm sure other people have experienced this too. And I was a little bit hesitant to talk about this. Uh, I didn't really want to admit that I am an individual that is constantly comparing themselves to other people, but I am. And maybe at least some other people that listen to this will get it. And maybe it offers some degree of catharsis. And we can at least like... Have a little bit of, uh, what's the word, solidarity over the fact that uh, we're all imperfect beings. But it really is. It's just too easy, and it, 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 destroys, it destroys your feelings of self-worth um, and leads to something, or, or at least goes hand-in-hand hand with something that this podcast is titled for, which is the, uh, the one, the only, the glorious term, imposter syndrome. <laughs> brought in a little cheeky voice there but the imposter syndrome uh it, i don't know what the exact definition is as a matter of fact i'm going to look it up right now but the way i've always understood it is this idea of being in a position whether it's in work whether it's in content creation whether you're a famous actor or an influencer uh of of having these feelings of inadequacy and that you are are not enough and that you don't belong here and that someday everyone's going to figure out that you're a fake and then everything you've, you've worked for is going to be torn down. And it's, it's pretty common. Um, I sometimes, in my moments of extreme imposterness, feel like maybe I'm the only one that suffers from it. But the more I talk to people about it, especially over the last few days, the more I realize that it's, it's almost something that I, I almost want to say almost everyone suffers from it. So uh, that gave me a little bit more courage to talk about it on my own, as insecure as I am about it. I, uh, I found here a definition. Here, here's, a, here's an online, just like the first Google result. I'm not sure how like, accurate this is, but it sounds pretty accurate to me. Imposter syndrome can be defined as a collection of feelings of inadequacy that persist despite evident success 
Imposters suffer from chronic self-doubt and a sense of intellectual fraudulence that override any feelings of success or external proof of their competence. Whew. Yeah, like that's it though. I mean, for me, all the time, no matter no matter how much I accomplish, no matter how much I do, no matter how many times I hear good things about what I create, there's still always just this nagging dark sense of doubt in the back of my mind. That little imposter syndrome devil just keeps poking at my brain, stealing all of my good chemicals, saying, you're not good enough, you know, your, your content isn't good enough, your thoughts aren't good enough, you don't know what the heck you're talking about. And part of me knows that that's a lie, but then part of me is just constantly influenced by it. I mean, it keeps me up at night all the time. I mentioned, I think on social media last night that uh, the podcast episode would be released late due to content related anxiety. And that's exactly what I was talking about. I was sitting there listening to my podcast file and <laughs> trying to record new stuff just over and over again. I hated it. I hated it so much. I wanted to throw it away, burn it, delete it. I didn't end up doing that, but I really wanted to and I just kept I just kept going back to that mental space. I ended up having to get out of my house and take a walk. I went to the grocery store um, and took a walk to kind of try and get my brain out of that spot, which is why I couldn't release it. I just didn't feel good about it. But I feel good about this, or at least I feel good about beginning a conversation about it uh, in my space because it's it's brutal. You know, I, I think it especially holds back, in my experience, creatives and one of the big reasons I think that is, is because at least in American society, I can't speak for every society, but I know it's true of America, creative professions are often devalued. And I mean, I, for one, was told from a very young age that like, you know, like the art and creative pursuits, it's like, well, it's a great hobby, youngster, but it sure ain't a profession. Or like, you make sure you get a real job as well. Ha ha ha. And that's just not the case. I mean, yeah, it can be a hobby. Sure. But it can also be a very viable profession. And you'll run into so many people, if you're an artist or creative of any kind, that don't want to pay you at all or properly for your work. And that is upsetting. I, I worked for this amazing street artist named Nico, Nico Suavelicious on Instagram. A quick little shout out. I'll put the uh, name in the show notes. But I learned so much from her, first of all. I, I worked as her executive assistant for a brief period of time. And we did some events together. And, I, I you know, she was a... She was an artist in the Jacks. She still is an artist in the Jacksonville area that um, I had always looked up to. I was really excited about having the opportunity to work for her, but I um, learned a lot. I would consider her a mentor, whether whether she whether she meant to mint mint or me or not. I would definitely consider her a mentor, and uh, she was a huge champion of of paying artists like well, you know, and hearing her talk about it really like locked it into my mind. I was always someone that you know believed in paying artists but i didn't understand like the depth of the issue until i, I kind of worked alongside her and just realized how many businesses will try and get artists to do shit for them for free because they see it as this like hobby or like it's not official and so this like social pressure this social bias on the value of art and the value of creation i really think feeds into this idea of imposter syndrome right you don't feel like you're good enough because of the imposter syndrome. And then society is around you telling you what you do is not valuable. And it's a big swirling storm of bullshit that's inevitably going to tear down your self-esteem. And I mean, it happens to me all the fucking time. And I hate to say it because I feel like that sounds ungrateful. Recently, I had a birthday stream that was like, 
I mean, it was beautiful. It, it honestly made me cry, um, like happy cry. I got sent a video of so many people in my community and other creators I admire, like wishing me a happy birthday. And people were really sweet to me. There was an outpouring of love. It was beautiful. It was honestly the best birthday I've ever had. And things like that, I mean, they make me feel really good. And that's happened to me many times throughout my streaming career, right? These, these moments of affirmation, these moments of validation. And part of me doesn't want to talk about like this, this, this all consuming imposter syndrome or, or these, you know, moments of me comparing myself to others because some aspect of it feels like a lack of gratitude for those moments. And I just want to make sure it's clear that that's not the case. It's just my brain, you know, it's just my brain tearing itself apart. Hopefully in the future, uh, when we start bringing on guests, we can talk about it like at length with other people, because this is something that's, I mean, it's something that's big. I mean, just today alone, like I mentioned, I talked to a couple people yesterday about it, like uh, in voice or through discord. And then today alone on social media, I've seen like three or four posts about it. And I don't know if it's synchronicity or I'm just noticing it or what, but I mean, it's, it's a big thing. So uh, I definitely want to continue the conversation on it. But I suppose what I was going to say in, in regards to like maybe an approach to it, a f philosophical approach that's like geared towards <laughs> some sort of self-help. I actually think that if you suffer from this like I do, one of the best possible solutions is really uh, <laughs> just getting away from all of it. Like with some amount of frequency, I, uh, I for a long time would just leave my phone in the other room on do not disturb whenever I was trying to do work or get anything done, or maybe I just wanted to relax because the phone puts you into that feedback loop of social media, right? As soon as I open up that phone, I know I'm going to be checking Twitter. I know I'm going to be checking Instagram, my emails, LinkedIn, whatever it is. I'm going to be checking it and I'm going to be filling my brain with thoughts of uh, objects, uh, individuals that I, I began comparing myself to, right? And I just knowing that about myself, understanding that weakness that I have, I think for me, currently, my best solution is really just staying away from it. That being said, that is not an effective long-term solution. I mean, it, it is, I think, something that could probably help everyone to uh, add into their life, maybe blocking out time, say, oh, like during this chunk of time, I will allow myself to ch check social media, but just not, not allowing it to be like this constant dialogue. I think especially if you're running a business um, or, or creating content, I mean, which I would consider running a business, but it, it is somewhat of a unique thing, you're you want to continue checking social media because you don't want to miss anything and you want to stay engaged and you want to market yourself. Right. But that can really be toxic for your brain. I, I, I think that it's not worth it. I don't think it's worth it to be constantly plugged into it, setting aside chunks of time where you're in and out. I think that works better, but ultimately there's still a root problem that needs to be addressed, right? Like, yeah, limiting your exposure to this stuff does help, but it doesn't change the underlying problem. Right. Which is how do you change this mental narrative? of of comparing oneself of, of feeling like not enough uh i don't have the answer to that question exactly but i do have some ideas <laughs> and the, the the thing about all this stuff is that it's like a lot easier said than done right but one thing i sort of remind myself of almost like a mantra is that all it takes is is you know true and 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 quality people in your community or or you know, people that are patrons of your business, whatever it is, people that are your friends, you know, like it doesn't even have to be anything to do with business or content creation. 
And that's that is that is all that really matters. I mean, and if you want to take this into a more businessy, entrepreneurially direction, it touches into that thousand true fans principle. I might have even talked about it last podcast. This idea that all you really need to succeed long term is a thousand true and committed fans, consumers, community members, whatever it is. It's like very much a quality over quantity game if you subscribe to this theory. And I do. I don't think for me, uh, not being someone that's super interested in making like a lot of money, m- me, I'm mostly someone that's interested in, in, in doing well enough to be free, like essentially free from the man and this system and being able to create what I want to create and engage with people. Right. That's, that's for me, the goal, the goal is not big cars, big money, uh, like LA lifestyle type stuff. I, think that this is this is a way a route a route a road to go down that's not only a lot easier to attain um in the sense of you don't have to become this massive persona you just have to do right by people for an extended period of time and build these honest human connections it's also a way more uh what's the word attainable I actually said attainable goal but uh, I'm trying to think of what I mean like in terms of looking at numbers right like say you're a streamer say you're major grunge on Twitch TV and you're looking at your numbers after a stream and you're looking at you know all the different metrics they have blah 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 it helps you t- extract yourself from like the big hot stuff numbers you know like average concurrent viewer count for example or unique views and all that stuff and what you can really focus on is the more meaningful connections you make with someone that you know, maybe they enter your chat room for the first time and you had a really wonderful conversation and now you're friends. You know, that's what's important. And that's something that you can have a lot more control over. Also, also something that is going to happen a lot more frequently than days where you have huge number spikes. And at the end of the day, I really do believe that if what you're measuring yourself on is your numbers and what you're chasing is numbers, you'll never be happy because the bar just keeps going further and further, higher and higher. You know what I mean? It never stops. It's just like people that that chase money, right? First, one day you want uh, $10,000. Then the next day you want 100 Then a million. It never stops. Because what you're chasing is something that's sort of uncapped and something that doesn't necessarily have intrinsic value, right? Like what of what do the numbers on a channel or people that consume your content, your impressions on Twitter, whatever it is, what does it mean really? I mean, it doesn't mean anything unless those people are our quality and those people care about you and you care about them. At least that's my perspective. Maybe it matters in terms of like clout, et cetera. But all of these things to me are like vapor. They don't they don't really mean anything. Maybe they mean any they mean something uh, in, in certain circles as far as is getting like a job or or making money or I don't know, flexing on people. Right. But. What do they mean in terms of like actually improving your life in a meaningful way? Likely not that much or not as much at least as most people seem to put value on them, right? I'm not going to say that having a lot of followers on social media doesn't do anything for you because it definitely can. But I would argue that there's a disproportionate amount of value placed on numbers, on especially on social media. In regards to like what it can benefit you with, because it's kind of like the uh, the path to success that's laid out for people in the 21st century. It's like become famous, become loved, thousands of adoring fans. Whoa. But there is like a huge disconnect. And you see this all the time, like famous actors that are you know famous actors, famous musicians, whatever, like very, very famous individuals that are very sad. I mean, it, it doesn't it does not seem to be the case that it is logically consistent that these numbers, this magnitude of following is equivalent to happiness. 
And happiness is somewhat of a, what's the word I'm looking for here? Nebulous. That's the word nebulous, which is basically means like difficult to see, like obstructed, murky, misty, you know, a nebulous, uh, a phrase in the sense of happiness can be defined so many ways. I mean, if we were going to dig into the philosophy of it, you have Aristotle's interpretation of happiness as eudaimonia. You have, um, this this uh, per- perception that I really enjoy by Camus in the book uh, The Myth of Sisyphus, where one must imagine that Sisyphus is happy because his reality is 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 pushing that pushing that boulder up the up the hill every every single day. One minute, let me make sure I'm right about this. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. I was just making sure it was it was Sisyphus, right? So Sisyphus pushes the boulder up and down the hill every single day. It's the internal punishment that Zeus dealt him, forever rolling a boulder up a hill in the depths of Hades. Because he cheated death and tricked the gods. But what Camus would argue is one must imagine Sisyphus is happy because this is his existence. This is his fulfillment. This is, this is what his, his purpose is. And a, a big linchpin is, is of absurdism, which is a philosophy that Camus pioneered, is that we don't necessarily have to find some greater meaning in our reality like so many people seek. We don't have to have this cosmic purpose. We don't have to be the savior of our planet, of the cosmos, of the universe. We don't even have to do something that means anything on a large scale. Um, there's a sort of existential ter- determination that feeds into this, but our world is very much what you make of it. And in absurdism, the idea is generally that the absurd nature of our reality defies comprehension. And then a search for some deeper meaning within it is a fruitless pursuit, but that this is not something that is sad or depressing. It's really quite freeing and that you don't have to have these answers to life's great questions and that they aren't necessary and that your existence can be whatever you want it to be. And you can find happiness and meaning in that, that does not have to have some grander philosophical ramification or, or impact. And I have always found that to be quite freeing. And I think that is another way out in a sense of this imposter syndrome. And it, as much as I believe all that stuff, like I said before, I still deeply suffer from all of this. But it, I mean, it takes a lot of self-improvement and I guess positive self-talk, meditation, all that, you know, mindfulness to, I think, realistically get your head to a place of where like your your philosophies that you imagine you're in line with are actually those that you are are in line with, as well as just feeling good about yourself, which is sort of the... Uh, the everlasting pursuit, is it not? But I do think that there are goals worth pursuing. And I think that if even if you never attain this goal of, of completely distancing yourself from your imposter syndrome or your habit of comparison, that the pursuit of these goals is valuable in and of itself. Even if you only make small improvements, right? Maybe you feel a little bit better about yourself, like after a week of, of trying to do better, of distancing yourself from social media, of adopting a philosophy that's freeing. That's significant. And it adds up in the long run. And even if you never fully divorce yourself from that, you've still made something worthwhile happen. And so I guess a little encouragement here, a little a little hug and a kiss from Major Grunge would be to say that you don't have to be the biggest thing ever. You don't have to be the best thing ever. Just be you and be you the best way you can. And that's really all anyone can ask of you. Everything else is is just bullshit. It's societal pressure it's random fucking philosophy from from you know whatever book whatever old fucking philosopher told you to do things it doesn't necessarily have to mean anything 
people can put it upon you, but it fades. It comes and it goes just like, I mean, society does too, right? Rome fell. Society will change eventually. And there's no guarantee that what we believe now will be the truth a hundred years from now, or even 10 years from now, or even one. My point is there's only one, there's only so much you can really control in the universe. And so I urge you to not stress as much about the other stuff, at least as much as possible. Uh, to close out the uh, the podcast here, I want to do one of those call to actions, as they say. So uh, I stream on Twitch.tv Mondays, Wednesdays, and now Sundays, starting at 6 p.m. EST. Um, I'm going to be back on my podcast path of releasing this podcast every Tuesday alongside a Medium article that talks about the podcast and links back to it. And... Um, I'm doing a little bit of consulting work on the side. I'm not really going to talk about that that much right now, but my, uh, my, the link to my website is in the bio of the podcast. If you want to look more into the kind of consulting stuff I offer, it's related to marketing and branding and uh, like creative direction. Um, if that sounds interesting to you or someone you know, I would definitely appreciate the recommendation. You can email me anytime at contact at majorgrunge.com with questions regarding that or regarding the podcast, anything like that. Uh, another great way to get in contact with me is through my Discord you can find my Discord link. I'll put it in the show notes. It's also on, on all my social media platforms. But the best places to communicate with me are through Discord and through twitch.tv when I'm live. And I will get back to you on everything else, but Discord is like lightning fast. You know what I mean? And uh, I think that's – I think I've covered all the business check marks. If you really liked this podcast, if you kind of like this podcast, if you wanted to benefit the podcast, please consider leaving a review and give me your thoughts, your honest thoughts. You know, uh, and I love to, uh, I love to talk. I love to talk. I, I seriously, I love human beings. I love conversation and my DMs are always open. So for now, until next Tuesday, and I promise it'll be on time this time, hugs and kisses for Major Grunge. Have a wonderful day and a wonderful week.